Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, where you will hear transformational stories, positive encouragement, and practical strategies to help you grow your mindset, reach your potential, live your dreams, and experience a purpose-driven, impact-filled life. Here's your host, Alan Blaine. Okay, this is Alan Blaine, and I'm very excited to bring to you our special guest today, my friend, Dr. Darren Wilson, the host of the popular podcast, Life Coaching for Men. Dr. Darren Wilson brings his wisdom, relationship coaching, and leadership to men throughout the world. Darren's coaching spans thousands of hours, helping men improve their most precious relationships, including their spouse, kids, and parents. He focuses on areas such as confidence, leadership, self-worth, health, and purpose. Darren combines his experience as an award-winning athletics director with his life coaching acumen to teach men to live the kind of life they have always dreamed of. Darren, welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast. Well, Alan, thanks so much. And and part of me wishes I just had a little bit of your energy, man. Every time I'm around and with you, you just exude the type of energy that sometimes I wish I had. So really glad to be here today. Thank you. Well, I appreciate having you. Thank you for taking time to share a little more of your story and your wisdom with our listeners. Where I'd love to start is if you could, I mean, I just shared a little bit about you, but if you could just expand upon that and share more of your background and how you got to where you are today. Sure. And I know you're a former baseball guy. So I grew up in Kentucky and played baseball at the University of Kentucky years ago and ended up transferring to a small school, Union College, and was fortunate to become the head coach there at the ripe old age of 25. So I was actually coaching guys as a head coach that I had played with two years before. So if that doesn't throw you into the fire in terms of leadership, I don't know what does. And of course, you know, as a ripe old 25 year old, I thought I knew everything there was to know. And man, looking back on some of those times, I'm like, boy, the things you did back then, right? But coach baseball there for five years. And then I was fortunate enough to become athletic director there at at age 30 and was at Union a total of about 17 years. It was 80 there for almost nine years. And then from there, had the opportunity to go to a fairly new institution, Georgia Gwinnett College, right outside of Atlanta, and start an athletics program from scratch. And funny enough, I still remember sitting in my office and seeing the job description come up. And I thought, who gets to do this? Who gets to build brand new facilities? Who gets to hire coaches? Who gets to what I didn't think of at the time, but write all the job descriptions, write all the operating manuals, write all the stuff. Because when I got to GGC, we didn't even have shoestrings. There was nothing there other than they had selected the sports. They knew what the mascot was. And aside from that, they gave me a tiny office and a computer and said, go. And so got to do that for over 12 years and throughout kind of that process and then kind of life in itself. So I'll give you a little pause there. So when I I moved to Atlanta, was married at the time with two younger kids, 10 and seven, and thought they were going to follow me in that pursuit. And about two months later, learned that they weren't. And so that really sent me in personally, just a dark period of time. You know, I, I tell people, I never really knew what depression was or could be until you're sitting in an apartment by yourself without your kids five hours away. And it was something else. And so that sort of set the seed for me a few years later to really want to start helping men and and men going through 
some of the things that I went through that I never intended to. I tell people, you know, you don't get married intending to get divorced. You know, that's not why you get married. Right. And so sometimes life happens, you know, and, and for me, that period happened. And so professionally, I was probably in the best place I had ever been in my life. So you have to kind of do that during the day. We're building all new facilities at the time. I'm again, I'm hiring coaches from scratch. We're trying to get into a national organization and all that stuff. And then kind of going through this deep, dark space and trying to navigate that and figure out how to navigate that. And thankfully, I had a lot of good people and, and my faith helped certainly through that. But as that continued to go... I started seeing, and we can talk a little more about this, but I started seeing a therapist and our couple therapists. And I love therapists. I didn't have a great start to therapy. I had a couple that didn't go so well. And so I tell people, keep looking. If you've not had a good relationship with a therapist or a life coach, keep looking because there are great ones out there. And I found one particular guy who, for the first time in my life, introduced me to the concept that you really could change the way you think. And that started me on this journey of coaching, starting to understand what your brain does and what your brain does to you in terms of your feelings and your emotions and your day-to-day process. Because I always thought that I was just wired this way, just the way I am, just the way I grew up. I've got these certain issues, whatever. And as I learned that, it really sprung board me on to life coaching and then wanting to really help others. Okay. So much there. Can't wait to dive in a little deeper on some of these different questions I have for you, but that was about 12 years ago. Is that correct? That you moved from Kentucky to Atlanta to take the new job? Yeah. And if I understood you right, your wife of how many years at that point in time? Uh, 17. 17 years said, nope, not going with you. We're staying here. And that was the beginning of the end of that marriage 12 years ago, correct? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. So then you take over this AD job and from scratch, I I find this phenomenal Mm -hmm. from scratch, build a athletics program where there was none. Yeah, there was none. We had zero. I tell people we didn't even have shoestrings. So got to build almost $15 million worth of facilities, just kind of right out of the gate, bought a beautiful tennis facility and have been, you know, very successful there. Yeah, I got to hire all the coaches from scratch, got to figure out the administration, how I wanted to set that up. So it really is a once in a lifetime thing. And I will tell you this now, looking back, building a program from scratch is not for everyone. Some people are much better equipped to come in after a program has started. I probably was a little naive in that and didn't know what I didn't know and thought, you know, sure, I can do this. And and as you get in there and you get in the trenches, you go, boy, there's really a lot to this because an athletics department on a campus touches every piece of the campus. And even if the campus thinks they're ready, they're never ready because it touches development and fundraising and admissions and academics and student affairs and just the whole gamut of an institution. And so it's been a lot of fun. There's been a lot of challenging days, but yeah, it's it's been pretty cool. Well, we happen to have a mutual friend. We've learned through time that actually built part or all, I don't know, of your athletic complex there, Jeff Boozer. Yeah, he was right in the middle of it. He was our our construction kind of guru, manager, engineer guy. And uh, what a great fellow he is. Yeah. And a small world. Very small world. You're in Atlanta. I'm in Nashville. And we end up with a mutual friend that did that for you. That's pretty cool. And as I understand, you're not bragging on yourself here, but as I understand, you were named the AD or athletic. I don't want to butcher it. Tell me what your. No, you were were right on it. Yeah, I was actually, (laughs) I've been named two-time National Athletic Director of the Year. So it's pretty cool. So my work at Union was recognized about 
13 years ago or something. And then after we had had some success at GGC, was named it again. So done a lot of work at the national level, which helps with that too. And been on a lot of committees and saw some change as far as that goes. And I tell people you get the award, but the award is really because of the people you hire, the people that work for you, the players, the athletes that are on the courts and fields of competition. That's the reason you get rewarded, but have been so fortunate. One of the phrases I love is is to hire great people and get out of the way. And I really try to do that and lead in a direction that says, you know, this is the vision. This is the mission of what we want to do, but I'm not here to micromanage you. And if I have to be, you're not the right person for this position. So I've been very fortunate in that world. Sounds like a lot of humility and wisdom in, in what you just said there. And how many other athletic directors out of curiosity have ever been named the national athletic director twice in their career? I think there are two in the, yeah. So it's, it's kind of neat. Wow. kind of neat. And I know you're NAIA, is that correct? Mm-hmm. We are. Yeah. How, how many sports do you have now that you've built from scratch? So interesting at, at Union, where I was before, we had 23 sports. And then you start a program from scratch at a state institution. We won't get into dollars and cents here, but that becomes a little more intricate. But we have six programs now. We'll expand at some point and get to 10 or 12. And then continue to hopefully have the success that we've had across the board. It's one thing that's been important to me throughout my career is that we're able to compete for championships across the board. And I'm really proud that we've been able to do that here. How cool. Before we dive back into the challenges and the difficult and the hard times that you've come through, what would you say has been one of the keys to your success? You've obviously had plenty of it on various levels here. Well, I've always been driven. I think that probably comes from my dad growing up. I've always worked hard, always wanted to be first, and that can be a double-edged sword because you get into the whole perfectionism thing. But I think that's been a lot of the tributes to my success is that I've I've been driven. I've known what I've wanted to do, probably maybe not in the, the athletics and life coaching realm, but I always knew I wanted to coach from a young age. So I was always leading I was the first freshman to ever start on our baseball team and the first freshman to ever start on the basketball team at the same time. So, you know, you talk about some jealousy and that kind of stuff that you're dealing with and in that world. And so learning those lessons early on have probably helped me too, but probably the driven piece. So you're an overachiever basically is what you're saying. (laughs) I don't like to lose. So again, that's one of those things where you can, my wife, I'll tell a quick story. So you'll appreciate this. We've been married now eight years and one of the first real kind of dates we went on, it was a derby day. So we were kind of this kind of derby thing at a, at a hotel and just kind of in the lobby and they had checkers, checkerboards. So she said, let's play checkers. That's okay. Great. Well, I proceed to play checkers and had more on my side than she did and won. And real quick, she was like, you were supposed to let me win. And I was like, I don't let anybody win. <laughs> now, whether that's good, bad, or indifferent, it it just is. And my kids would tell you the same thing. And and what's been great to see with my kids growing up is they knew that. And there would be a point where if I would kind of let them win, they would go, do not let me win, you know, because they had that drive and, and that passion too. And so I appreciate that in them as well. I love it. Maybe it's just being a former high school and college athlete myself as well. I can very much appreciate the competitive nature and a competitive spirit. And like you said, it's a huge asset. It can cause some challenges for sure, but it is a big asset, I think. And it's obvious that it's helped you have a lot of success in a lot of areas. And it's fun to get to, to see and learn even more about. What would you say has been the biggest challenge up to this point? I think we're a similar age, both around 50 years old. Just turned 50. 
would it be the divorce or what what would would it be something else? It would be that. And and once I'm down here, now all of a sudden I'm five hours away from my kids. So I have put a ton of miles on my cars over the years because I said I'm not gonna not see them. And so there had been plenty of times where I would drive five hours, watch a hour and a half game and turn around and drive back because I was going to be part of that. So yeah, that season certainly has been very challenging. And then yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I've had plenty of challenges in life that hasn't been one of mine. We all have different challenges. You know, I met Nicole in college. We married at 20 years old. We've been married now going on 31 years. I could only imagine the different feelings and emotions and everything you must have felt and things you probably still deal with to this day. How would you best describe just even going through that whole process? What were some of the feelings you were dealing with at that point in time? You said depression was the first time you ever felt that? Yeah. And I think that's probably was the biggest thing for me is that it opened up a whole new world of empathy for me, for others. Again, you get a little vulnerable on these things. I was certainly much more judgmental back then than I am today. And so I could see a lot of positives that came out of that down the road, but certainly during that time, yeah, I didn't know what depression was like. I probably thought people were weak if they were depressed. And then I learned real quick that life can hit you and life can hit you hard. And sometimes you can't just succeed right at you. It takes time, but you still succeed down the road. And so I had to learn how do I move through this? How do I move through this as healthy as I can? I still have a great relationship with my ex-wife, which I'm very proud of. And, and she's a great person. It just, it was one of those things that it just didn't continue to work out. So our kids, I think have benefited from that throughout time. And then as being able to be remarried and then kind of having that be able to assimilate and then all get along has been pretty cool to see out of that. But back then when it was so dark, yeah, it was tough. And you feel like you failed. Right. I mean, you feel like a failure and you throw all the stuff in from the church and then you throw stuff in from people's expectations and then from your own expectations. And you can see real quick how people get in a dark, dark, dark place. And I knew that if that happened to somebody else, I wanted to be able to help them at some point. Right. And that was one of the you kind of touched on one of the things I was going to ask. How much of a factor was just the fear of what others were thinking or saying about you in that situation, how much did that play into it in the heat of the battle, so to speak? It certainly plays into it. And it plays into it how you're perceived from people that have known you for a long time. And those are things that I think as you come through that, help you become more resilient too. Because you know that at the end of the day, other people's opinions are other people's opinions. I say now when I'm coaching guys, you know, when it's talking about confidence or just self-worth or whatever, you have to have your back more than anybody else in the room. And you have to know that. And and I think that's been something too that that has helped me through this because it's so easy to rely on other people's opinions to make us feel good. And when things are going good, it's like, oh yeah, life's great. But when things are going bad and you're relying on someone else to fill that bucket, that's when it gets real challenging. How do you view the challenge now in hindsight? I mean, going through that, obviously, you probably wouldn't wish it on anyone. No, It's something that happened. It's it's in your past. But how do you view it now when you look back on a challenge like that? You already said that it's given you more empathy for others, also the ability to maybe help others. And how I've been just coaching guys in general. I mean, it's it's amazing the number of guys that reach out 
the number one thing I help people with probably at this juncture is relationships, relationships with their significant mm-hmm. other, how they're, how they're moving through that, how they've, maybe they're on the brink of divorce. Maybe they're trying to figure out if they're going to get married. Should they be engaged? It's all of that stuff. And going through that and then getting remarried again really helped me see that there are a lot of blind spots that we have. As you know, I mean, you've been married a long time and I think that is so wonderful, but the feeling of love, you've got to work to stay in love, right? You think when you meet somebody and then all of a sudden you get married, oh, life's going to be great. Well, when it smacks you in the face, that's when you've got to work through it and work hard on yourself and on that, you know? Most of us that I work with, and I say us because I include myself in this, but we don't love ourselves the way God intended us to love ourselves. And to me, it starts there. And we see all of these, and this is probably something that's really come out for me too, is all these insecurities that start to surface that I never thought was an insecurity before. I just thought, oh, that's just me. That's just what comes up in me. I never thought I was really insecure in a relationship. And to be able to kind of strip all that down for guys that are going into a or or in that season where it's really tough, I think has been really something that I've learned through this process. And it's helped a lot of different guys. Right. It's interesting how had we not gone through whatever the challenge may be in this case, we're talking about your past divorce, but whatever the challenge, I know for myself, I could have never had empathy for someone who had a problem with alcohol or someone who had other struggles, had lost loved ones or different things that I have personally been through. Now, I feel like it's a gift to be able to empathize with people and to be able to come alongside and encourage what you're obviously doing in a big way. What percentage of your life coaching for men business, if you will, what percentage is the relationship coaching? What would you say? You said that's the majority of it? I would say it's 70%. And what's interesting is guys will come to me for various different reasons, right? Right. And invariably, it comes back to a couple of things. It comes back to belief, confidence, love in themselves and their relationship with their dads. Mm. Every guy I've ever coached or ever talked to. I was working with a guy yesterday, not a paid thing. We were just working together because he's struggling. He's 60 years old. And his core issue with everything else that's going on is something that happened with his dad when he was 13 years old. Wow. Not believing in him. It was a baseball scenario. This guy's not a baseball guy, but it's a baseball scenario when he was in Little League and he had three hits and had a great game. His dad came off and said, you know, why couldn't you have four? He's still carrying it. Right. You know, and, and that's something that we see each and every day. And guys don't like to talk about this stuff, <laughs> you know, no. because we're supposed to be weight on our macho. shoulders, macho, right, right. Never let them see you sweat, all that stuff. So, yeah. Right. So interesting. That sounds like the way I grew up with my father and definitely seeing more and more as the years go by, the impact that I can even see in others. Like you mentioned, this gentleman that you're helping, the impact fathers have had and continue to have on grown men and women. It's phenomenal. And then it just really grips me with my role as a father and what I am giving or not giving my own children. And man, just such an important role we've been tasked with, you know, I'm glad we don't have to do it alone, Darren. No, for sure. And on that story, his dad's been dead 10 years. Wow. Like his dad's not even around anymore and he's still carrying that weight. So you're right. That's the impact that we have um, each and every day. Absolutely. If you could go back in time before hitting the bumps of life, 
and give yourself, your younger self, some advice, what might that be? I mean, for sure. And and I think you asked the question, I should have said this earlier, probably, but as far as coming through the divorce, my relationship with my kids, particularly my son, got exponentially better after that. And it was because in a lot of ways, I was broken. I was hurt. I was away now. And so I was tough on him early on and he's only 10, but that changed, I think, the course of our relationship because I was now back and I was present. I was more engaged. I was not as critical, which I think was a big difference for him. And I think for us, our ultimate goal with our kids is is to raise kids that want to come back and be around us, right? When they don't have to. (laughs) And so I, I think if we can kind of get into that mode and be a much more teacher than a disciplinarian, I just think it, it really helps us. I absolutely agree. I think it's been some of the hard things I've been through that's humbled me and kind of broken me. And I still have a long way to go. Me so too. I'm still learning, <laughs> but I don't know if you were as much as I was, but I was very much in the earlier years of parenting and earlier years of our marriage, you know, the I'm perfectionistic. I'm type A. I'm guessing we've got a lot that in was common me. in this way, right? And so it came out in my parenting. And, and again, I'm still needing to learn this, but I have learned so much through just my own mistakes and being humbled. I mean, it doesn't get much more humbling than sitting in a rehab center from a DUI after being the guy that wore the badge and carried the gun and arrested the DUIs. I mean, yeah. I'm like, what in the world happened? But What that did was it made me have a whole nother view too of, again, empathy, as I mentioned before, but parenting, just the way I interact now with my children, it's like, man, it's a game changer and it strengthened our relationship. So I can see different scenario, but similar parallel that when we're humbled, it's going to strengthen our relationships with our children, bottom line. Yeah. And and I think too, going back and I'm in that same mode of that perfectionistic mode that it has to be this way. And if it's not this way, then then the world's wrong. Right. And yeah, I think uh, continuing to learn that each and every day, because it's fun talking to either where I'm dealing with clients or I'm dealing with just people normal. I'm like, you know, we're all in this together. It's not like you ever arrive because once you kind of master a a skill or a tool, something else hits you in the face, you know, and I'll I'll tell people, you you might feel good for a few days, but something else is going to come because life ebbs and flows. And when you can learn how to kind of maneuver through that with yourself, life gets better. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite success quote by chance you'd want to share with the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway audience? I don't know about a success quote, but I'll get, how about I give you this? So I'll give you a quick three tip for a better relationship. I'd love it. Instead of a success quote. If I had known these three things back before my first marriage and then years ago, and even with our kids, I think our kids from a business perspective, I think these help. So some keys to a great relationship. Number one is curiosity is the secret sauce to life. If we can be curious instead of going to, and you talk about my default, my default is anger. So I've had to work through that anger piece. But instead of getting angry, we get curious. Oh, tell me more. I see how you react there. Help me understand. Life changes. It lowers the temperature in the room, right? So be curious. Number two, I like to talk about manuals in relationships, and this was a new concept to me until about four or five years ago, but you think of a manual in your car, right? I know you drive a sweet car, so you go to that glove box and you open it up and you've got a manual in there, right? It tells you all the things that you do to a car. Well, we also carry these manuals into relationships. 
And so I want, you know, the audience to just think about if you're going home tonight, before you get there, before you see your significant other, think about all the things that they should do. Right? That's kind of the manual you've got for them. They should wash the dishes. They should greet me with a smile. They should give me a kiss. They should be nice to me. They should wash the dog today. They should, you, you name it. And when we can learn that those manuals are our expectations for other people, and we start to drop those, life gets better. Doesn't mean we can't ask our significant other or someone in our lives to say, hey, I would really love it if you would do this. Sure, we can. But then they get to choose. And then we have to choose how do we want to respond? Because so often we have all of these unwritten rules. And most of the time, our manuals and relationships, we don't tell the other person, right? Think about all the times you've gotten angry. I mean, I used to get angry before I even got in the garage because I'd already made up this whole story in my mind about what should happen in. And then as soon as it doesn't, here it goes. And I never even told her. I had never even had a conversation about it. So we mm -hmm. do that so often. So we want to drop our manuals. And then the third one, and this has kind of been a theme, we've talked a little bit about this, but really it's learn to love yourself. Because if we can love ourselves, it's so much easier to love others. And I find over and over again with me in particular and with all the guys, we just don't inherently love ourselves because we know us better than anybody else, right? We can talk ourselves in or out of anything. And when we can learn to be open and honest with ourselves first and say, hey, dude, why are you doing this? I love to use the word really. Why are you doing this really? Like, and, and you kind of get in there. Then all of a sudden you go, oh, okay. And you give yourself some grace and you're able to love yourself with your flaws and with everything. You say, you know what? I'm a work in progress. I'm continuing to work on me. Yeah, I'm going to make some mistakes. That's okay. I'm going to keep living life and keep moving forward. Life gets better. So be curious. Drop your manuals, learn to love yourself. Hey, great advice, Darren. And, and every time you've said love yourself or learn to love yourself, I just keep thinking about how the devil is the accuser of the brethren, how he's always out whispering in our ear about how lame we are and how insignificant we are and how we're not good enough and all these things that aren't the things that God says about us. They're not the things that if we believed simply what God says about you and me and each and every one of us, we're wonderfully created, you know, each and every one of us. So, yeah, I love that. I love all three of those. So good. Dropping the expectations, number two, or dropping the manual, as you called it. Such good advice. I can so relate with making those mistakes in the past so many times of expecting things to go a certain way, people to do a certain thing. And when they don't, being so disappointed. If we don't have those expectations, it's harder to be disappointed. <laughs> 100%. What would you say when you think about the future that you're currently excited about? That's a great question. I think right now I'm really excited about doing my best to live in the present. Our anxiety goes down when we live in the present. I think we should always be looking forward to something. So I, I continue to look forward to seeing my kids grow and Natalie continue, my wife just, you know, and us continuing to, to grow and do well. There's some trips. I want to go to Rome. I want to go to the Holy Land. I want to go to, you know, there's a lot of different places I kind of want to go to. So I, I get excited about that. But really, personally, I really want to just work to enjoy the moment and enjoy the present because I just think life's sweeter when we can stop. And for me, I still have to try to disconnect. I still have to try to put that phone on the other side of the room, but I love my mornings where I have, you know, I like black coffee. So I make my coffee, my dog, I've got a little Cavapoo. He comes and he sits with me early in the morning, 
kind of watch the sun and just kind of be there in peace. And I kind of look forward to that every morning, to be honest with you. I love it. And I think it's so important to be in the moment. Do you find there's a balance? How do you balance planning for the future, thinking about the future, planning for the future and living in the today in the moment? I think that's a great question. And I think I'm in a season and you said we're the same age and such. I've been so driven my whole life. And I'm kind of in a season where I just want to pause. I just want to pause and then I'll get gear back up and mm -hmm. then there would be something else. But here's the kind of to answer that question. That's a challenge. It's been a right. challenge for me to pause because my whole life from really from five years old on, right? Because you're, you're going from sport to sport to sport to school to school to school. And then I'm driven to be a coach and then driven to be an AD and then driven to be this and then driven. And it's now, I mean, I had a tough time learning how to walk on a beach and not feel guilty, you know, because I thought I was right. wasting my life, wasting time. And so what I have had to do is say, you know what? It's okay to pause. It's okay. Other people's expectations, it's okay to pause. If you're not 100% going 100,000 miles an hour all the time, it's okay. And so I think that's kind of where that comes from and, and where I've personally have had to say it's okay right now. Now, I will get geared back up and really look to the future and what that holds. But for me personally, that's kind of where I am at the moment. Makes perfect sense. I think it's great advice. And I think that the word that jumped out to me as you were talking there is seasons. And there are seasons in life. And guys like you and me need to make sure we do take the seasons to rest. I think that's been a weakness of mine is not to take time and rest. And Jesus modeled that for us. We've got to take time and rest. Another thing I think I've found is that what I've been learning more and more recently that I hadn't learned for years, most of the years of my life, was to be enjoying the process, enjoying the journey, even though I'm not at the destination yet. Yes. And I think that has been a big, big key too. again, not to take away from sometimes it's time to pause the journey and just rest. That is so good. And I hadn't thought about this in years, but I used to say and plan high school sports, but I'll use basketball because I was better baseball player, but I enjoyed basketball. I would say at the end of basketball season, oh, that was fun. But when I went through it, I was so stressed and so anxious and so wanting to be perfect. And that's in high school, but I didn't know how to enjoy them. I didn't know how to enjoy the game, really. And I think you're so right that we have to learn to enjoy the moment or we'll look up and it's 10 years down the road. And so I think that's why I'm kind of passionate about that pause right at the moment. And for people listening, just to know that it's okay. Yeah, I love it. Great advice, Darren. Just a couple, as we start to wrap this up, 30 second quick questions. What would you say is one habit that has really helped you enjoy success in life? Uh, consistency. I mean, I've tried, I try to stay consistent and be consistent, whether it's showing up for people, being on time. I mean, I'm a time guy. If, if there's a meeting that starts at eight o'clock and I'm not there at a quarter till, people are saying, is he okay? And some will say, well, that's type A. I don't, but for me, I think that's helped. I've never had an issue getting to a place early. The issues happen when you leave late, you hit three lights, a wreck happens, and now you're not at the place you're supposed to be. So that's been something that I think has has been good for me. I love it. Consistency. What a common theme in so many people that have success. Appreciate you bringing that out. What is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? Uh, the best piece of advice, I'll use the baseball analogy. And as my high school coach, and you better live by this mantra or you don't succeed in his world. And that's to play this pitch baseball. And that it's literally one pitch at a time. 
You don't worry about the one that just happened. You don't worry about the next one. You worry about the one that's happening now. Because if you don't and you worry about the past, as you know, the ground ball will bite you. It's going to come right at you and it'll bite right. you. And, and I think that holds so true to life because if we get defined and, and we allow ourselves to be defined by the past, we'll never live in the present. And so, but if we can stay in the present, this precious present, as you know, if we can stay in the present, play this pitch kind of game of life, works out pretty well. Such great advice. What is one book that you'd recommend for the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway audience? I have read a lot of books. So one thing I've always wanted to be a big reader and have never been a big reader because I don't like to take the time to read, but Audible has been my best friend. Yep. Going through the, just the past two years, I mean, I've probably read 40 books on Audible and it's been just amazing. I tell you one that I like that your audience probably likes and they probably know. I, I like the 12 week year which I know you like Great book. Uh, compound effect. Another good book that I really like. And the reason I like compound effect is, is it kind of takes kind of a simple thing and makes it profound because it really is that thing. If you get a little momentum and then you continue that momentum, you really do see that in your life. Right. And so right. I'll, go, I'll give you those two to start. I, I have several in here that I've really been getting into because I've been really just hammering the gospels. And so I've been really having a lot of fun with that too. You gave two great ones. In fact, you gave two of my favorite, oh, good. two of my favorite. Yeah. Compound effect has been my favorite for years now. The 12 week year, just read it maybe a year ago and it's right up there. So mm -hmm. I just want to second both of those books that you recommended for all the listeners. No matter what your occupation, no matter what you're doing, what space you're in out there, they both will apply. Darren, what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you and follow along on your journey? Yeah, thank you. So the Life Coaching for Men podcast is on all the things that, that you would go, Apple, Spotify, whatever. So I'd love for you to connect there. And then Dr. Darren Wilson at gmail.com. It's D-R-D-A-R-I-N Wilson at gmail.com or Dr. Wilson. I'm there. I'm also, I'm on Instagram. Same thing, Dr. Wilson or Dr. Darren Wilson. I don't do a whole lot on social media. I just don't. But the podcast is probably the best. And and, and just as you're doing, man, you're giving so much great free valuable information to people to learn how that, you know, to kind of move through this, whatever is hard for them and, and to succeed. That's what I've tried to do there. I think I just recorded my 140th episode. Wow. But it's all free and it's all things that I think are relevant to men trying to grow and, and be the best versions of themselves that they can be. Awesome. Well, I've heard several of your episodes. Great stuff. I appreciate the content you're putting out to help men and highly recommend that for all of our listeners as well. How many episodes did you say you've done? 140? I think it was 140 this week. Yeah. 140. So you are episode 22 awesome. for the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway audience. And, and you know, it goes back to, and it's funny because I've had people ask me and people starting podcasts or whatever, you know, one of the things, what's the key? Obviously you got to have great content but you got to show up and you got to be consistent. And so for you to already have the success that you're having, and I mean, the guests that you've had, like I said, I feel honored just to be a guest on here and the impact that you're already making, man, just think when you get to 140, who knows what this thing will look like. So <laughs> I really, really appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much for taking your time to come on. Any closing comment you want to share with our listeners before we call it a wrap? No, just know that whatever you're going through, 
right? If you are going through something and you are in a hard season, that life can get better, understand that you can change, that it's not necessarily just how you grew up or how you're wired. We know that today that you can start to change the way you think, change the way you feel, change the way you act, and it will change your life because your results always come back to the way you think. When that gets on you and you understand that, even if you're in a dark season, life will get better. What a great word to go out on, Dr. Darren Wilson. Thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your wisdom and your story and your vulnerability with the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway audience. Thank you, Alan. I really appreciate you. If you love this podcast, grab some of Alan's free resources on his website at alanblain.com, spelled A-L-L-A-N-B-L-A-I-N.com. You can also find links to Alan's Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok there in his contacts page. Lastly, if you can leave a five-star review for us on your favorite podcast app, that will get these messages out to more people and it will really mean the world to us. Thanks in advance and make it a great day.